Hey folks, this is episode number 46 of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Four, six, and if you've heard any of the past few episodes, you know I want to give you digital art to celebrate episode 50, five zero. I'm running a membership drive toward that goal and toward other goals too. I'm excited to say all of those membership drive goals are extremely reachable. We can totally do it. And they're reachable because this show has what I consider a great problem. a re- Just a fantastic and awesome problem. Here's that great problem. I give away the main show here in this free feed where you're hearing this message. And that means the audience of the podcast is much larger than the group of listeners who actually support the podcast. Most people are just enjoying it for free. A tiny group of people is actually funding it, is actually making the research and editing and guest booking and blood, sweat and tearsing possible by, you know, finding about a dollar a week. That's all it costs. That group has tons of room to grow. And and here's my dream with that. I dream of 10 percent of this podcast's audience supporting the show. If a mere 10% of you went to sifpod.fun, checked out the membership drive goals, and then backed them, we would blow out all of them. We would be completely done and then some by by a wide margin. And that's why I think this is a great problem. I think it's pretty easy for us to get to 10% and to get there. I know some of you just don't have the means to support this podcast right now, and I, I totally understand that, and I'm rooting for you. I'm also pretty confident more than 10% of you do have the means to support it. So if you're able to come through, if you're able to back SIFPOD, this drive would be over. A bunch of immediate benefits would come your way, a bunch of future benefits would come your way, and this podcast can keep on airing, keep on being a thing. Again, that's SIFPOD.fun to back the show to be part of that 10%. Thank you for hearing me out on that. And hey, here's a free podcast for you. Cat food. Known for being dry. Famous for being wet, also. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why cat food is secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Two amazing guests return this week. David Christopher Bell and Tom Ryman are comedy makers, podcasters, live streamers, and more. They make that stuff under the shared name Gamefully Unemployed. Also, Tom is an associate editor at the great entertainment website Collider.com. Dave is a writer of films and writer of scripts for the fantastic Some More News YouTube channel. These guys are multi-talented, busy, awesome, and I'm so glad they're back. Also, I have gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Dave and Tom each recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino or Tongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about cat food. You've heard of cat food. You've probably purchased cat food if you have a cat. Also, on this show, you will hear me talk about both of my cats who I think about kind of all the time. Really, really the cats of me and my fiance. We co-own them. One of them is a long-haired adult male cat. His name is Watson. And then we have a short-haired female kitten. Her name is Birdie. She's approaching 10 months old, so leaving the kitten stage soon. But Watson, the boy cat, Birdie, the younger girl cat, are are cats. And I I scoop food for them and dump food for them kind of constantly. And I, you know, I realized going into this that other than asking the vet if the brands were okay and and figuring out amounts, I I never really thought about what cat food is or the history of it or the science of it or, or all the things that we do on this show. I was thrilled to discover it. Let's let you discover it too. Please sit back or keep meowing to me, even though it is not yet dinner time. Admittedly, I have not yet taught you to read a clock, but I, I feel like I can't. So so that's the situation. I'm sorry. 
Anyway, you'll get your food soon. Here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with David Christopher Bell and Tom Ryman. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Yeah, you bleep swears, and I'll try to limit my swears, but I am going to be saying the word a lot cool. because it's probably the most reflexive way I describe a cat's face cool. and expression. Yes. That uh, the is really the only adjective. Yeah, you, you click on cats. any of these pictures and that's a shitty little face. And it's like, oh, it's also a shitty yeah. little cat. Yeah. <laughs> They're shitty little cat faces. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just going to happen. Do you guys want to just hop into it? And, and yes, say it's. I feel you. like we're in it. I feel like yeah. we're in it, Alex. Yeah. I feel like it's begun. Yeah, maybe it's begun. David Bell, Tom Ryman, it's so good to have you here. I always start by asking people their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. How do you feel about cat food? Um, I'll take this one uh, first, Dave, so you can be quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel pretty good about cat food in general. Like, I'm glad that it's out there. <laughs> I'm glad that we I'm glad we put our heads together and made a food that's just mm-hmm. for cats. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm we I'm going to push that. back here. I am against cat food. I own a cat. <laughs> really? I mean, all right. Uh-huh. I'm glad the cat's alive. Don't get me wrong. But her cat food is disgusting. Um she only <laughs> likes the disgusting stuff. Most of her cat food can be best described as like the slosh that you'd find on the bottom of a dumpster, mm-hmm. like especially outside of like a seafood restaurant, like it's always just the most disgusting, uh, wet waste mush. Yeah, she doesn't like the pate. She doesn't like. She likes the like real gross weird. Sh- She's also oh. allergic to grains, so we try the hypoallergenic, and a lot of that is disgusting. So well, you also have to factor in that you have an especially useless cat. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> I gr- I grew up with like five different cats, and we right. fed them all kinds of cat food. Uh, you know, everything from just like the straight dry stuff. You know, which is fine. It's just fine. I used to eat right. that when I was a little kid because why oh, yeah, not? My... It's there on the table. Whoa! My dad convinced me to eat some as a kid. Yeah, and then yeah, you have like the gross uh, canned stuff that's like anywhere between forty and seventy percent liquid. Right. Uh, yeah, like the gravyish wet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's sloppy. And it has like petroleum jelly in it for some reason, yeah. <laughs> or at least it seems like it. It helps it's, with hairballs, Tom. Really, all yeah. all pet food is like uniquely disgusting. But I'm yeah. a glad. I'm I am I'm a glad. Mario over here. Uh, I'm glad that it exists. <laughs> I'm a glad we have cats. <laughs> Mamma mia. <laughs> Tom, get out of that pipe. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> feeding cats. Woohoo! <laughs> I want to. You're both wonderful. I want to double back for a second. You both mentioned that you tried cat food and ate it as children. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 D- Dom, do you want to start or I can start? <laughs> I don't. I, there's not really much of a story there. I think if cool. a lot of people, particularly anybody who grew up in a house full of pets, have probably tried pet food, at least like the dry kibble, because at yeah. some point, particularly yeah. when you're a curious toddler or not even toddler, like a curious like seven, eight year old with no concept of your own mortality or like poison control. So you'll <laughs> right. just put things into your mouth well, um, and you're like, you want to see what you want to see what the dog has been eating, you know? And and also, I don't mean to say you guys are weird or something, because I, with, you with encouragement from my, my now fiance, Brenda, I, I tried it like a couple days ago in the run up to oh, this. That's great. I was like, OK, what's going on? And I tried Did a sh- little bit of it's Costco brand maintenance cat. It's the dry food our, our cat Watson likes a lot. Birdie has uh, a kitten kind. But uh, it was pretty foul. I didn't like it. it it's it like was, old meaty cereal. Yes. The dry food. In, in a bad way. Right. It tastes like bitter cereal. Yeah, it tastes like bitter I, cereal. Yeah. I just want to share. It was For me, it was because my mom worked nights and my dad would watch us, and he ran out of things to do with us, so he would do blind <laughs> taste tests, uh, and he'd usually feed us condiments or something like that, but he fed me cat food, and then I spent like a, okay. e- a week eating it because it was kind of delicious at the time. Um, yeah. 
Maybe a child's palate likes it better. That's curious. Maybe. It was a certain dry food. It, it, it didn't taste like much. It tasted pretty bland, I remember. Yeah. But I like that Brenda, I feel like Brenda just wanted you to eat cat food <laughs> and like really pushed for that. Yeah. She's just been waiting this this whole time for, for a reason to yeah, convince you to do oh, it. Oh, and she do tried you, it too. She, she gave moral support on tasting support there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do you eat everything you do a podcast about? <laughs> so far, the <laughs> and I guess this is insulting to the hostess people. This is the second thing I've tried because I was going to tape about it. And the first was <laughs> Twinkies. I had just never happened to have Twinkies. We, I, wow. my, my dad really liked all the like chocolatey hostess. So we always had ho-hos and stuff. I never right. had a Twinkie, tried it. And I, I think I got an expired one. It was weird. Huh. Yeah. That's, uh, you should try it again. It's, <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible to say. Like it might just where you you eat the Twinkie and you're like, I think it might have been expired. It's I I don't know whether or not that you just experienced how a Twinkie is supposed to taste. Yeah, you might exactly. have experienced yeah. the freshest of Twinkies, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I think they just the way Twinkies worked is they made like a billion of them in the 30s, and we've just been coasting yeah. on that. Mm, we just change the we update the wrapper. Every yeah. couple of, <laughs> but it's just a big every barrel. generation or two. Yeah, it's yeah. just a huge barrel. Of, yeah. It's a Twinkie shaped barrel, actually. Yeah, it looks like Twinkie the kid. Yeah, there should be a law where they have to print the president at the time or the World Series winner at the time, <laughs> or or it's like the American flag, and you're like 48 stars. That's an old one. Wow, you yeah, know, it's something something to to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it's he's, he's like flipping a buffalo nickel or something. You're like, oh, this is yeah, this is a piece of history. <laughs> this Twinkie. <laughs> I've already but, uh, eaten it. I've already eaten it. I don't know. <laughs> but and uh, so now, okay, all three of us have eaten cat food and uh, yeah. that's great. And and we all... They're not wet. Neither of us, none of us has eaten wet cat food. I've not eaten wet cat No, oh. I'm not, that's a that's a bridge too far for, for, yeah. this, for this old bear. Yeah. I haven't had the wet either. I have thought about which wet cat food I would eat if I needed to, but I've never actually eaten because I think uh, there's one brand that puts like little wedges of cheese, like little bits of cheese in it. Oh. And I was like, of all the cat foods, that looks the most delicious in that it looks the most edible. It's still not good. Cheese. Yeah. Little, 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 little nubs of cheese. Mm. This is some Wisconsin brand, isn't it? It's good. (laughs) Or like I have, I have hypoallergenic cat food that the cat won't eat and it's duck. And she won't eat it. It's freaking duck. I figure. I figure. I'm. You know, if like an earthquake happens and I'm buried under my apartment, yeah, I'm you can be eat snacking this snacking on that. You can duck. eat this jellied duck meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like also injected with bone meal and like yeah. tuna eyes and weird. Yeah. If you have you read <laughs> the ingredients on pet food, it is madness. No. Yeah. No, yeah. I have not. <laughs> I, uh, again for this tape again yeah wow lot, lot yeah, going it's, on. <laughs> it's it's uh it's real dystopian when you read some of the list oh, yeah. of ingredients on the back it's, of pet it's food it's like real... oh this is what they were feeding the people in the back of the train in snowpiercer oh yeah it's some real soylent green business there yeah right it is it is older previous pets yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the some of the animals Fair listed enough. as the ingredients, <laughs> ingredients could conceivably be kept as pets. Okay, yeah. Sure. One of the listed ingredients is just horse fears. Horse, yeah. Horse terror. Horse fear. Horse oh, fear. this is good. This is like twenty eight. It's, it's the fear of horse. Yeah, it's 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 got it's like it's like one third of of your daily value of horse terror. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a freaky food pyramid that would be. Just a, a screaming horse on top of it. Great. It's a terrified <laughs> horse at the top. <laughs> oh, that's the pyramid we should have on our money, too. Yeah. I want a screaming horse pyramid it's on the a, back. Just a screaming horse. Yeah. Less unsettling than that eye, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would just be one bulging, horrified horse eye. Yeah. Uh, true. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Looking over its shoulder. Well, also, I horses lead so directly into... A lot of this show. I think we can get into the first fascinating thing about the topic. Uh, our our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics, and that is in a segment called "Oh When the Stats, Oh When the Stats, Oh When the Stats Go Marching In." 
House if Pod wants to share those numbers oh, when the stats go marching in. That was beautiful. 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 I'm glad we were all here for that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a solid one. Gather the cats. They need to hear this. They need to. They need yeah, to know. no. Get, get, gather them. No, I'm I'm curr- I'm writing this down on my calendars so that I know <laughs> the exact date and time. And uh, that name was submitted. Bring, bring my kids here. <laughs> Let them see it. <laughs> this is the day <laughs> that, that the stats came marching in. <laughs> And that name was submitted by Vivek Radhakrishnan. Thank you, buddy. And we have a new name for this Thank segment you. every week. Please make them as silly and wacky as possible. Submit to SIFPOD on Twitter or to SIFPOD at gmail.com. And there's not a ton of numbers. I mostly just want to establish the size and scale of cat ownership. Because that that it's just amazing that there's so much cat food in the world to sustain this. Oh, yeah. The, the first number here is the approximate amount of U.S. households that have a cat. That is 42.7%. Dang. 42.7% of U.S. homes have a pet cat of some kind. Wow. Yeah, they're like a parasite mm-hmm. when you think <laughs> about it. Like, they don't do much, and they're all, they're just here living off of us. Uh, yeah. They're just fluffy. They're just a fluffy parasite. Yeah. 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 A fluffy, beloved parasite. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I love my little parasite. She's yeah, looking yeah, at I me do. right now. I do. I do think it, you. you sh- everybody should see like uh, their cat hairless at some point, just so you uh-huh. know e- exactly what this creature is. Yeah, oh. what it's hiding. There's also mm-hmm. there's an odd thing we did one time with Watson because he's a long haired cat. We just like I don't know what to call it. It's not combing, but we like pushed his hair his hair back. You know, we were like, how much mm. cat is under here? Much smaller cat than I anticipated. It was mostly fur yeah, oh yeah. and then a little yeah. a little guy in there, you know? Yeah, they're like little spiders in there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just hiding in all that fur. <laughs> and, uh, and that cat ownership, that's that's one of the main ways Americans have pets. It's also, it's an approximate number. It's from an industry survey by a group called the American Pet Products Association. Mm. The one more common pet is a dog. 63.4% of households have a dog and 67 okay. have something. Just any kind of pet, including dogs, including cats. Okay. And was also able to find similar numbers for Canada. There was uh, an industry group there called the Canadian Animal Health Institute. They did a 2020 survey and found that 58% of Canadian households have a dog or cat or both. So a majority have a dog or a cat, and that's not too far behind the U.S. there. Yeah, I feel like you're going to find that worldwide. I'm trying to think of what maniac comp- country like yeah. isn't loving pets, but like well, I I feel like that's everywhere. We 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 love yeah. little animals, right? We see animals and we're like, I want to be their friend. Yeah, or I want I want them to work for us because uh, they'll work for like oats. <laughs> like it's it's a good relationship. Yeah, and in cat's case, mice. Like yeah, they'll do it. Mice. They're yeah. In. Yeah. Like I, I I don't know if you'll discuss this, but I heard that like we clearly messed up dogs or wolves. Cats I I always heard like didn't really change. Yeah. Like to be domesticated by us because we just sort of let them do their thing and it's weird that we did that, but we do. Yeah, well we're just like, yeah, you can stay here. We'll get way into it a little later, but yeah, the the okay. experts seem to think that like of those things we didn't really train cats to hunt vermin. They were just already doing right. that, and then we formed a, a agreement with them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just put them inside our homes. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like, you know what you've been doing? Just do that in here. And they're like, got it. <laughs> I think they're adorable, because it's like, you literally take like any other predator and shrink it down, and that's funny, right? Uh, like, yeah. if you had yeah. a small bear or a small shark, and you give them the same sensibilities, that's all a cat is. You just took a tiger made it small and it can't do anything about it it yeah. still has the sensibilities of a tiger where it's like i just want to like murder but it's like oh but you're tiny so you can't you can't kill me <laughs> so i'm gonna pick you up and i'm going to put this clothing on you and there's nothing you can do about it that reminds me of a weird wrinkle to my relationship with house cats which is that i didn't have them growing up and then before i owned house cats i was a zoo tour guide and so when we first got cats, I, I kept being like, oh, he's doing such a lion thing. 
and other people were like, right. what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm more mm-hmm. familiar with lions, I guess. That's just my thing. But uh, <laughs> You started with lions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it reminds me of this lion, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this lion I'm like personally acquainted with. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a bigger name drop, honestly, than saying like I bumped into David Schwimmer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I know this lion. His name is Chester. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like the lion knows you you know like if you guys see each other the lion's like hey what's up yeah you know like that is pretty awesome yeah you're in like a a a, a, a precarious situation in the wilds or something and you see a lion yeah. coming up and the group is like really tense like oh no it's a lion and, and you're, you're like no squint. never mind i know this yeah one. squinting in the horizon like no guys it's all right we're gonna be okay it's chester it's chester <laughs> i think we're gonna be all right i hey, know this lion is that chester i know this lion <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you ever watch the the Christian the Lion video, that happens in that because it's about the guy who raised a lion, led it out into the wild. I mean, this is just like a viral video, so who knows what darkness is behind it? But oh, yeah. from the viral video, uh, and then he sees it in the wild and it hugs him. It like jumps up and basically oh, like yeah. love tackles him. Which there's got to be a moment where that lion's coming at you, where you're like, God, I hope he recognizes yeah, this me. Is, this is going to go in one of two extreme <laughs> directions. But then the wild thing is he introduces him to other lions. Just like, <laughs> hey, this is like my oh. friend. And the lions walk up and he can pet those too. And it's like, this is weird. You're yeah. like having in with these lions now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, he's cool. I vouch for him. He's cool. Yeah. They're like, are you Great. sure? Because he's just meat. Yeah, like, you're just... just- He's one of them pink things. Apparently, Chester yeah. knows him. I don't know. I don't know. It's oh, great. He's, he's, he's coming over here. He's coming over here. God dang it. All right. <laughs> Chester's always bringing his pink friends. Man. Yeah, bringing right. his stupid pink friends by. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> with the, the worldwide nature of the house cats, the, the other quick number here is... Again, these are like loose industry surveys, but they think there's about 92.4 million American cats. So that's more than one per four people. Damn. It's a lot of cats. Another industry group called the European Pet Food Federation says that Europe and Russia put together have 102.7 million cats uh, and more cats than any other pet type. Wow. That's too many cats. I'll say it. I'll I'll be the one who says it. All right, yeah. It's a lot of cats. There's that's, a lot of cats. It's, it's too many. That's too many cats. And we'll also, yeah. in the bonus, we'll hit some other countries. But but the the next number here is 30 billion US dollars, billion with a B. And this is a 2017 estimate of annual spending on American pet food. So not just cats, but pet food, $30 billion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, does, that doesn't surprise me. Like pet... Yeah. Pet owner pet ownership is an extremely lucrative industry to get into any kind of like pet products. Yeah. I would say roughly ten billion of that is is food that is sniffed once by a cat and ignored. <laughs> that is that's a that is a conservative estimate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So twenty seventeen they estimated thirty billion dollars of US spending on pet food. In 2009, which is less than 10 years earlier, they only estimated $18 billion of pet food spending. Wow. So in less than 10 years, it jumped from $18 billion to $30 billion. And according to The Economist, uh, they have a magazine called 1843. They say that that's mainly explained by people buying more expensive food. Like oh. the, the pet population went up a little bit, but it's mainly we started spending more money on the food for our pets and probably still are doing that. Here's the thing. This is the reason why I have a lot of variety for my cat, or at least this is my thought process of it. As we've mentioned the fact that dogs, you put down anything and they're like, oh boy, I love you. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Yeah. Like when you think of them as guests or sorry, when you think of them as prisoners, because like my cat, (laughs) she can't leave. She's can't she doesn't I mean yeah. if she left she would have uh, an amazing final few hours of her life. Um, <laughs> but like you know what I mean is they're they're prisoners. We keep them and it's for their own good. Yeah. But it's like she doesn't get to go to the grocery store. So I'm like what do you want? Do you want this? Do you want that? Like I'll get you a variety because this is like your life. And like 
I don't know. I don't want to eat the same thing every day. I don't want to be in some dystopian household where I'm eating like a puck of meal every day. So I want her to have variety. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's that's fair. I don't I was just going to say I don't think if you could take her to the store with you, I don't think anything would improve. No, I have before actually. And it didn't go well. Right. Wait. Like <laughs> yeah, she was in I a wasn't little backpack by choice. or something? She was like... Sort of. I was oh, okay. in... I was leaving... The first time I came to Los Angeles, I was moving back to Massachusetts. I had to drive. And for like, maybe like a day, I was technically homeless. Not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just getting ready for my trip. And so I had her in a little cardboard case and I had to go get some stuff at the grocery store. And oh. it was great because the case didn't look like it would have a cat in it. So you'd be like standing in line and you'd hear like, meow, and they'd like turn around and look at me. And I'd be like, it's <laughs> on me. Like every now and then her <laughs> paw would like slowly reach out and grab a stranger, like claw at a stranger who would turn around. She was a real disruptive animal in this little cardboard box. Well, I'm gonna. She didn't help you select the food though, is my I point. I tried. Well, I put it. I put her in front of it. But yeah, you're right. She did not help me select the. Sure, food. her. In, she doesn't have much in, input to give. Well, she can't speak English, and yeah. that's, that's a big yes. problem. She also can't read. So yeah. Also, all a big you can problem. really do is just buy it and put it in front of her and see whether or not she eats it and see if she'll eat it. Yeah, it's trial and error. <laughs> it would be so much easier if they could speak. I feel like also. There, it used to be when you look at older movies and TV shows, the idea of like the extremely pampered pet used to be something that we jeered at. Yeah, like we oh. put it in, we put it into a movie or a TV show as a shorthand for a character we weren't supposed to like, like somebody that was just like really doting over a pet. You know what I'm yeah, talking totally. about? Right? Yeah, many Disney villains. Yeah, sure. Many, many Disney villains. Uh, the wretched lady from Gremlins. Like, there's. It's it's it, it was a thing for a while, like several decades of film and television. Yeah. And then like over the past like ten or fifteen years, it's become more normal. Sort sort of like with like the the rise of stuff like we rate dogs and you know, like doggos and that sort of that whole attitude. I think the internet helped, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the internet sort of helped make being extremely doting on your pet way more normalized even though to me it's still like deranged behavior <laughs> oh, well, i think the, i think the final factor i think the final factor though is our generation and the likeliness of us having enough Children. money to have kids yeah, right. yeah where it's a lot of just people like what am i gonna do have a kid no I'm gonna put. I'm gonna try to strap these bat wings onto my cat and take pictures <laughs> because I'm putting in. You know, like I have energy. I have like I think there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I have like some of the energy that you could put into having a kid, but I got this shitty cat, so I'm gonna just dress it up and like make a YouTube channel. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that's a whole thing. Yeah, even even I feel like houseplant yeah. culture. It's also partly that. It's so like, oh, I can I can take care of these. That's cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think there's an element of that with with anything, any living thing that you have to keep and take care of for sure. I just think there's an influx in like a generation who's just like, I don't know about kids, like <laughs> cli the climate change and the monies and all that, and maybe I'll just have this cat, and I'll I'll put it in a baby stroller, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, off of that, we're going to a short break, followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them 
and then you just stay there like like really quiet and try and creep them out <laughs> it's just really boring because of jordan right not me because of both of you oh subscribe to jordan jesse go a comedy show for grown-ups I think we can get into the first of three takeaways for the show. And this this is a, a large one. There's a lot to it. Takeaway number one. Based on my research, there have been three general styles of cat food. Three general ways people have like mm. done the practice of cat food. You can know? I guess? It's like chunky, rocky road. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and freaky gravy. Yeah. Freaky gravy. Yeah. yeah. Fruity, fruity yummy mommy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah it's a and th this is a like entire history of civilization thing ah. the the three general style we'll just give them to people now the, the first one is cats feeding themselves as freelance farm laborers like catching vermin oh and right. then the second version is cats being fed leftover meat in particular industrial horse meat that was a whole right. thing we came up with and then the the third version is cats being fed a specific version of human food, more or less. Okay, that's kind of the three ways we've done it over time. Oh, okay. And those are those are sequential because that that kind of makes sense. Right? Yeah, they've they've overlapped, but it, they happen. They were like invented in that order. Yeah. Right, man. You know, like all the jokes about like shipping the horse off to the glue factory and stuff like that. Like, yes, <laughs> that used to be. Like byproduct used to be how we f filled in a lot of gaps uh, in, <laughs> right. in society, which is like, well, we, we, you know, it's it's we, the industrial revolution just happened. We're we're in the middle of a depression. We're not we haven't quite hit World War Two. That's going to bring us back. So it's like a lot of stuff was uh, like putting tape over a crack in the wall. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were definitely right. just like, I don't know, what's ever left over from this sheet of bologna we made? There's some cat food. Put that in a can. Because <laughs> it's like you're not going to kill a whole separate bologna creature. You know, the, the wild bologna that roamed the yeah, American yeah, yeah, yeah. Midwest. Yeah. Um, the the bologna, bologna snakes. Hogs. Yeah. <laughs> the bologna yeah. snake, sure. Yeah. But yeah. What, that, whatever that, that happened to the bologna nickel? I miss it. You know, <laughs> having that on the back of it was great oh you know? yeah <laughs> it's it really it really made you feel like you belonged like mm -hmm. you were part of something looking at that bologna <laughs> snake on the back of that bologna nickel the nickel itself was made of bologna i think that's one of the reasons why they had to take it out of circulation yeah they didn't last very long coin <laughs> no. slots you couldn't really put it in a coin yeah slot. they just got all gunky after yeah. like two or three transactions you can but get they were delicious <laughs> mm-hmm yeah. All the, I just the taste of other people's hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man. I would just I would eat all of my as as a bright eyed, bushy tailed young kid entering the workforce. I would eat so many of my paychecks. That's what they would yeah. say. Don't eat. I didn't don't get, eat. Yeah. No baloney nickels. Like that was the that was the sting. My grandmother said. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. had a vision of those old. Illinois and probably other state toll booths where you throw a handful of coins into it. Oh, Just yeah. somebody throwing oh, yeah. meat into that. Yeah. Like a bologna nickel. It's like hitting the attendant in the face. Yeah. You're just See, throwing tiny, it, you're, you're basically throwing little lunchable meat at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the cat food stages. Cause the, the first one basically starts from the dawn of human agriculture there's a great article in The Atlantic called How Cats Use Humans to Conquer the World. That's by Sarah Zhang in 2017. And she has like a super fantastic short description of this. It's, quote, sometime around the invention of agriculture, the cats came crawling. It was mice and rats probably that attracted the wild felines. The rats came because of stores of grain made possible by human agriculture. And so cats and humans began their millennia-long coexistence. End quote. Right. Oh, that makes sense. I love that you described it as freelance earlier. Yeah. Because that is how it is. It was just like, we're hiring these cats. And yeah. in exchange, they get all the mice <laughs> they, they can handle. I remember I, I lived, I grew up in a farm town and I had friends who had like cows and stuff. And you'd go into the barns and yeah, it was filled with these, these little cats. Just oh, these like yeah. work, like they just have cat barn cats, you know, and they'd have kittens yeah. and they just, you, you, you'd, uh, you'd literally have, yeah. Like I would have a couple of 
people that I knew that would have to let go get like a mouser, you know? Yeah. And it was oh, funny yeah. because the solution is like, we're infested with these mice. What do we do? I don't know. Infest it with cats. <laughs> Cause they would just be, they're just like larger mice, but they eat like, like, but they won't eat the things that you want. Yeah, there's a this Atlantic writer. She interviews Leslie Lyons, who is a feline geneticist at the University of Missouri. And is she is she two lions and a person like the you know? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just clocking that name. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does she not understand the irony, the perfect irony of her name? <laughs> and she devoured the Atlantic writer. It was grisly. I <laughs> she pounced really on the sad. Atlantic. Uh, writer. The... <laughs> it was a horrible incident. <laughs> Wow. I'd, so Dr. Lyons, huh? They uh, they say that the uh, the domestication of cats was pretty completely separate from the domestication of dogs. Like we we domesticated dogs to at first be hunt helpers with our hunting and for security and later to like herd sheep. And it was a lot of training them for that. And it happened earlier in time. But she says, quote, cats have done since before they were domesticated what we needed them to do, end quote. Right. And it's a thing where as soon as we had stores of grain in permanent farming communities, cats showed up as freelance workers to kill the rats that were going after it. Yeah. That was the deal. I like if our crops had early on been threatened by flies more than mice. We'd be sitting here with like pet spiders. I feel like, oh, like that's, have, cats are just spiders. They're just yeah. They I've serve had, the same purpose. I've been in a a couple of pretty dismal apartments, and I've I've had situations. It was I've been in situations where like the infestation problems were so severe that I was like, I am seriously considering just going and getting a bucket of spiders yeah. and just dumping them in this oh, house. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and they're just having at a the very time. least, the spiders won't mess with my food. No, yeah, that, like, that, yeah. I know this isn't about spiders, but the only sin of spiders is they creep us out. They're generally pretty chill. Otherwise, they're just like there to eat flies. Yeah, wow. You can share a house with a spider. You can if you're share not a house. Freaked out by it. yeah, it's just like a cat. Yeah, living <laughs> having know? a cat made spiders cuter to me because she's <laughs> spider like. She scampers. She hides under things like a little tarantula. And she's got like weird beady eyes and she eats bugs. Yeah. Huh. She's, she's a big spider. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because I use, I use the cat for the same reason we had cats, or at least it's a, a perk, which is that like, yeah, I don't see bugs often because she eats them all. She hunts them down and she eats them. We never had problems with mice growing up yeah, because yeah. we always had three cats in the house, like minimum. So yeah, exactly. It, it, it's it's a problem you don't really notice anymore until you're in a place where there aren't cats around, right? And then you will start to see mice yeah. if you're not, you know, with cats. Vigilant. With cats, you see parts of mice. Yeah, yeah. But Amy, after a while, they'll stay away. Yeah, yeah. After a while, they're like, "There's a monster there yeah, that'll mutilate there's... us." <laughs> yeah. There's a terrifying sociopath monster that won't even eat us sometimes. It just wants to kill us. <laughs> yeah, that's cats, man. Yeah. Linda, and with the cats eating eating vermin in particular, we're pretty sure that's how humans brought them worldwide, too. Right. The Atlantic article covers a major study of DNA remains of ancient cats. They sampled 352 mm. ancient domesticated cats, some of them as old as 9,000 years ago. And some of them were mummified cats from the British Museum. Like, they really searched far and wide for ancient cat DNA. Wow. And they found that all modern domesticated cats originated either in what's now Turkey or what's now Egypt, and probably from the agricultural communities there. Those were some of the first ones. Uh, and then from there, right. they followed world trade routes and would, like, sometimes be brought on ships as rat catchers. They, they just kind of spread with humans from there. Right. Yeah, I've I've read a couple of um, historical novels and also just straight up like histories about a couple of different ships. And yeah, oh, they uh, they cool. they would always bring like at least a cat to keep rats and stuff out of their food stores. Right. Yeah, and then like you you have a buddy too, depending on how friendly it is. But it it works both ways and. It's really like hiring them freelance or like it's almost mm -hmm. like the cats downloaded the Uber app and started driving, you know, like it just right. maybe this is profitable for me. Here we go. 
uh, Uber has the negative connotations and practices, but yeah. you know what I mean. And now, like now, there's hardly any working cats. Like they're just they're coasting. <laughs> like they, it's it's a real well played cat situation. Where it's like, like I was wow. saying, like like I was saying, Dave, you don't see a lot of the work they do. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of the a lot of the work kitten is doing is the fact that the mice know she's there. I don't know if that's true. Well, <laughs> she's met a mouse once. I've seen kitten and a mouse once. And it lasted 45 minutes, and the mouse got away completely unharmed. Kitten eh. mostly just played with the mouse. We Like, the mouse just negotiated. Like, it played dead. It tried to fight back. Like, the mouse was fighting for its life. Kitten didn't know that. And then the mouse just got away, and it was like, good job, kitten. Way to <laughs> play with a mouse for 45 minutes and let it go. And I guess it could have gone back and told its other mice friends, like, hey, we got we to gotta get away like there's a it's not a smart one but there's a cat that, uh, so maybe she deterred mice that way i don't know but like right now she's currently in a, a basket curled up in a ball and that's mostly what she does nice so i feel like she's not i don't think i don't i don't know what work i'm not seeing it's like very anticlimactic tom and jerry it's like oh it's like yeah. it's like when they reboot itchy and scratchy and there's no conflict anymore like it's, it's yeah, it, yeah that's exactly what it was <laughs> yeah just standing around looking at it scratchy yeah. checks his watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so so we have this first system of cat food and it's never gone away like i my my grandparents their cats in iowa on the farm were this way like it's a it's a thing still places today but starting in the late 1800s mid 1800s we start to get a second style of cat food which is mainly cats being fed leftover industrial horse meat by humans, Ooh. like an intentional cat feeding system where a person does it. Right. And the main reason for this is industrialization and urbanization. Like in the in the mid 1800s, a lot of countries started moving from the farm, building big cities. According to historian Maureen Ogle, the U.S. went from seven percent of the population in cities in 1820 up to a quarter in 1860, and then a majority not long after that. And the UK did that even earlier, especially in London. And so with people in cities, they also either liked having a cat around or wanted a rat catcher around. And so, especially in London, you start to see a new profession called the cat's meat man. Hmm. And the cat's meat man is... Someone of any gender. There were women and children who did this, and the job title was still Cat's Meat Man. But it's someone carrying like a wagon of low grade meat on regular routes around the city and like shouting to people that they have meat. All the all the descriptions remind me of like hot dog vendors at baseball games. It's right. like it's like cat's meat here, get your cat's meat. And then they would sell it to people to feed the cats. That is I love <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I was, I was just gonna say I've never wanted to have a job more. Oh than yeah, to be the cat cats meat man. man. Well, the cats they love them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would. No, this apparently they would follow them around town. Right, he'd have a line of cats behind him like an ice cream truck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, it's just funny because I love that olden times. It feels like every problem was solved with just dude in a cart. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, just have a car, guy in a cart walking around, like doing that thing. And they just walk around the city and you wait for them to come. Like, yeah, what a what an elegant solution. You just wait for the cat's meat yeah. man. Like how did how did the cat's meat man make money? Yeah, so they they existed because of the like particular situation of mid eighteen hundreds, especially British society. Right. Because you have so many horses doing so many jobs and then they either get old or die. Right. And so then there was a whole set of businesses called knackers. And what a knacker does is it's sort of like it's like an animal slaughterhouse, but the goal is not to get edible meat. The goal is to get bone and gristle and all the stuff that you can turn into glue and gelatin and soap and a bunch of like products. Right. And so then these businesses are just like churning through the discarded horses of English society. And then they have a bunch of horse meat that absolutely no one wants except cat's meat men. And so... So that sort of invents this job where people buy discarded horse meat from weird factories at rock bottom prices and then sell it around town for cats. That became okay. a whole business. 
in so the, I, in an, an entire scenario exploded into my mind where it's just these people frantically like, what do we do with all this horse meat? And then the cat's meat man walks in triumphantly and it's like, I've got a few ideas. Yeah. Right. I'm, still, all right. I'm still stuck on one part, which is when you said sell it around town to cats. Like, you mean yeah. the cat's owners, <laughs> Oh yes, yes. I'm that's imagining, right. yeah. I'm imagining a delightful cat economy happening here, where like the cats are tipping the the cat's meat man. <laughs> I don't know, little cats with bow ties and like tipping them money. Did you imagine yeah. like they Cartoon were conducting stuff. transactions yeah. with yeah. the cats? Just like, what do you have on you? All right, you have um, a rat's tail. All right, I guess I'll take that. And exchange. <laughs> like they just bring them like little trinkets and things around town. Yeah, you know, capitalism. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Teach cats to pickpocket. Cat, cat you know. pillows. Cat pillows. Oh. <laughs> Create like a almost cat. There, almost there. <laughs> it's so, very hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> I want to um, point out because you you posted an uh, uh, illustration. Yes. And I just. Oh yes, the cats meet. Yeah, man. He is looks this amazing. an old? Yeah, but the cats yeah. they got their little faces. Like it's, it's an old old picture of a cat. They still got their little faces. It's constant. It's a constant. Yeah. yeah, it's a constant. It's just funny since we drew cats. We like they really haven't changed. It's yeah. It's that thing where you can find like ancient like scrolls with cat marks on them from the like cat prints and ink. Where it's like oh, so they were always just they didn't they just don't care. They don't care what we're up to. They're the same no matter what. Yeah, and there and it's that also that like city thing we have today of stray cats everywhere was even more yeah. common then. Oh yeah. There's an amazing article we'll link from Long Reads. It's by writer Carrie Fry, where she talks about the cat's meat man job. And there was an 1868 newspaper article that estimated London had over 300,000 cats at the time. Wow. And so then you had plenty of work for people who, because also there's no like diploma to become a cat's meat man. You can just buy some horse meat and start doing it. So, right. so a lot of people start doing this and it's so common that there were popular songs about cat's meat men and the writer Charles Dickens, when he was a kid, would sing one around the house. The lyrics Aww. were, down in the street cries the cat's meat man, fango dango with his barrow end can. And huh. this was just like what Victorian children did. They were like, right. you know what's fun? The cat meat horse guy. And boy, everything about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are terrible being times. Alive, being alive during that time just was terrible. Yeah. When you're a child and you're genuinely excited for a man selling meat to cats and you're like, ooh, the cat's meat man is here. It's like, oh, what right. a bummer time you live in. <laughs> you know, this is like, yeah, yeah this is the, the days where kids would go outside and play with sticks and rocks. And that's all they had. I don't know. Well, the it sounds awful. The one other, like, even more terrible Victorian detail is that another one of our sources for just documenting the job of cats meet men is the Jack the Ripper records because ah, yeah. the the second victim of the Ripper, they like interviewed everybody who lived on that block just for witness testimony, and so there's a bunch of records of a cats meet man named Harriet Hardiman who lived there. Like a bunch of interviews with her about, did you see the ripper do this? Yeah. Kind of thing. It was all over English society, this job. I mean, if they're making money, I would do it. We discussed that. like Because, yeah, you're just getting followed by cats a lot, right? You're just hanging out with cats. Yeah, it works. Yeah. And you, you get a walk, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you just become a cat parade. I don't know. I mean, you're a cat ice cream man. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and possibly Jack the Ripper, because now my new theory is that that's who Jack the Ripper was—a cat's meats man. Sure, it's a perfect way to dispose of all the organs he stole. Yeah, you yeah. got the knife on you, like you're just yeah. It's as plausible as anything else. Yeah, it it totally works. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah. could get, you could get like a couple hours of a podcast out of like a <laughs> true crime Ripper out stuff. of just this half-ass theory. Yeah. And so we had this like intermediate stage of people starting to because this is some of the first major like intentional feeding of cats other other than farmers giving scraps some of the time. Right. And then this third style is what has become modern cat food where cats are more or less receiving human food. It's formulated a little differently, but it's basically the same thing. And a great source for a lot of this is a book called Pets in America, A History that's by Dr. Catherine C. Greer, who's a history professor at the University of Delaware. 
And she says that a firm in Victorian England called Spratt's Patent Limited is the originator of both dog food and cat food. Hmm. Uh, But they mainly started with dog food because there was still this belief that cats can just kind of feed themselves. And then once they did finally start selling packaged cat food, the advertisements mainly sold it as better than old horse meat. Like the the main sales pitch was (laughs) you don't have to get weird old industrial horse meat. This will be better for your cat. That's a good sales pitch. Yeah. So it's a very direct progression. Yeah. It's not bad. Thinking about this stage, do you think raccoons look at cats and they're like, ah, they got in there before we could? I feel like raccoons could have easily been cats. Like, because they're just prowling the streets looking for food. Like, it sounds like cats are basically raccoons at this point, where it's just like, or like a little before this, where it's like, yeah, we feed them sometimes, they hang out. Yeah, a lot of the same skills. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I feel like. But they got like little paws. They could like, I don't know, they could do, they could do like, like more, more work. I feel like they could do more work for us, but whatever. Yeah, true colleagues. Yeah. So this is just one company? Yeah. That basically... And then other, others kind of picked it up and did cat foods and things from there. But jumping to the modern day, if you're, if you're listening to this in the United States or in another country where this podcast is popular, your, your cat food basically gets made the way human food gets made. Like we've jumped to a situation where they are different foods. Don't eat your cat food. But there's a lot of ways they're similar. One of them is that the cat food regulations are often the same as human food regulations. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration holds cat food to the same sanitation and safety standards. The U.K. has a food standards agency that does that. Mm. And also Vice interviewed Catherine Michelle, who's a board-certified veterinary nutritionist and teaches at the University of Pennsylvania. She said, quote, I'm not saying it's true across the board, but some of the standards in pet food plants are way beyond what I've seen in manufacturing plants that make food for humans. And oh, that's that doesn't surprise yeah, me a at real all. Shame, yeah, does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Like what I was talking about earlier, just how normalized we've gotten to, towards uh, just uh, people who, um, like I said, the deranged behavior of uh, pampering your pets, and it's just become so mainstream and normalized that does not surprise me. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. I get that. I, it's I, weird. Uh, it's weird how people uh, behave I, about their pets. I think me and Hana, we've been watching a lot of like uh, a, a specific Pomeranian uh, in, I believe, Korea. Uh, we watch uh, a few cat channels, and we're watching animals with better health care than us. <laughs> like we're like. <laughs> that's what it, it's like watching these animals like where the owners will like prepare these cooked meals for them every night and it's like that is i will eat that i'll i'll be your dog would you can i be your dog because that food looks way more nutritious than anything i'm eating i don't know we love it yeah um well and, all, and also as far as what that food is another reason modern cat food is like human food is that it's coming from the same animals like the the right. Vice article that interviewed this nutritionist, the the writer of it is a journalist named Danny Watkins. He said that, quote, dog and cat food can contain meat from the same farms that produce the chicken and beef on your dinner plate. Uh, he said, like, the nicer cuts often get reserved for humans. But if you're into eating <laughs> that animal, it's probably being fed to your pet, too. I love the word often there. Yeah. <laughs> often get reserved Not for all the the time. humans. Not all the yeah. time. Not even all the time. So I guess the lesson here is eat cat food. It's delicious. No, it's not. It's right? bad for you. We'll we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, okay, okay. But also, there's one like interesting wrinkle of this thing is a thing I'd never thought about, which is that because it's the same animals, and also because it's under the very similar or the same regulations for human food, you like can't manufacture pet food that's made of rats or made of mice or made of other. Like rodents, the cats eat. It wouldn't Aww, be weird. That's all the cats want. Right. Yeah. But uh, according to a Mental Floss article by Sean Hutchinson, rodents are not sanctioned to be grown as a food source in the U.S., and the USDA doesn't have official inspection procedures for mice. So, like, it's illegal to farm mice or rats for the consumption by anybody. So you you can't do it. That's interesting because... I mean, like we were talking about earlier, you can freely buy mice and rats as feeder animals. 
Yeah. Yeah, but you can't like manufacture pet food. But from you them. can't you can't like process them. That's interesting. I don't uh, that, uh, that's that's interesting that we make that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. With any modern cat food, you know, as long as it's not somehow some kind of unlicensed weird bottom shelf thing, it's all it's made to the legal standards of human food with the same ingredients as human food. Right. We'll also link some British government guidance that they've released on how exactly businesses in the UK can produce human food and pet food in the same facility if they want to. Like right. it's it's the same, but that takes us to takeaway number two for the main show. Takeaway number two. You, a human, should not eat modern cat food. And the main reason is the minerals. This sounds like a dare. You you should not do it. I'm I'm not a doctor, but don't do it. And uh, okay. the main difference is they've worked so hard at this cat food, they've very specifically formulated the nutrition for cats, and it's loaded with stuff that you don't really want. Right. Unless it's like, unless you're um, like a island of Dr. Moreau, if you've been like turned into a half cat, I oh. assume you have to eat some amount of cat food in yeah. that case. If you're Feruza Bulk in Island of Dr. Moreau, you're going <laughs> right. to have you're to eat a you're little gonna, bit. You're, you're eating a little bit of cat food. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know I said I'm not a doctor before. I am a Dr. Moreau, and I can actually advise yeah. you all on this. Yes. Uh, be sure <laughs> <laughs> once your head changes or whatever, that's the time. Yeah, get in there. Uh, right. I mean, if you're in a bind or if your dad does it to you, uh, <laughs> then, yeah, eat the cat food, I guess. Right. But generally speaking, it does seem like a bad idea. Yeah, and this is, and the, these last two takeaways for the show are pretty short, but this one is that the the main difference is that cats compared to us cats are kind of obsessed with eating minerals they their food is overloaded with it um and that's packed into something called ash and if if you look at the label on cat food like i i checked our fancy feast before taping this it has ash listed as a key material and what percentage oh. and that ash is a bunch of minerals it's also a lot of the bone and tendon material of the animal that went into it and the informational blog of Chewy.com, the pet supply site, they say that, quote, cats require roughly 2% ash content in their diet to meet their mineral needs, end quote. And that, that's not something that you need as a person. You need some minerals, but it's different. That checks out. Like, uh, yeah, it's just simply put that what they're designing for cats. I'm glad I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's not the same as people, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because um, <laughs> if it was, then it's like, why am I even buying cat food? Why can't I just like cook myself a nice meal and make a little plate for my cat? Um, you know, they can't really eat our food, so we shouldn't eat theirs. Right. That's fair. Yeah. And even because, yeah, a lot, a lot of ours they can't eat. And then um, Popular Science interviewed Don Jackson Blattner, who's a registered dietitian with the American Dietetic Association. And she says that humans can technically eat cat food because of the safety standards and everything, but the mineral-rich ash would be the worst part for you. Right. Uh, and she also couched all that in, like, humans can eat cat food in the sense that your body can process lots of stuff that's bad for it. And my favorite quote mm -hmm. from her is, quote, technically you could safely digest a baseball, end quote. Yeah. So, like, you can eat cat food in the sense that you'd survive, probably. But you don't okay. want to do that. Uh, what I'm hearing here is that you can eat a baseball and survive. And that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done recording. Yeah. Boil up a baseball. That's summer in America, baby. There are people like that. Isn't there it. like a guy? Isn't there like that guy who ate a plane? Because like you can <laughs> eat anything. It just takes time. What? Because it's yeah. like, yeah, if you put. Yeah, An because you, you grind. Yeah. You like grind it all down <laughs> and then you slowly introduce it into your body and it's like yeah you've technically eaten that thing you know oh <laughs> yeah, yeah I guess it's, so. a, it's not like yeah exactly it's not as impressive when you think of it that way but like you can eat anything if you eat it slow enough yeah. you can quote me on that <laughs> if it just gets through your tubes yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> the other main thing with why humans shouldn't eat cat food is if you tried to do an all cat food diet you'd miss a bunch of nutrients you depend on because cats don't need them, so it's not in their food. Vice says that, quote, dogs and cats don't need vitamin C in their diet because they make their own, end quote. So yeah. if you switch to an all-cat food diet, you'd get scurvy. 
like a like an old sailor right away. Ah, uh, okay. Am I hearing that? Wait, you said they make their own vitamin C. Does that mean cats are rich in vitamin C? <laughs> uh, like, I guess so. Yeah. If you ate a cat, which I do not, I'm not recommending. Oh. But is that a source of vitamin C? <laughs> right. Like if you were a like pirate an orange, and you were in danger of getting scurvy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first of all, if you're a pirate, you're a lawbreaker. You get no tips from me, buddy. That's true. That's true. Get in line. Yeah. But you could eat a cat. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> when the uh, the last takeaway of the main show is really quick, takeaway number three. Your local birds and mammals are highly likely to become cat food. And uh, I Aww. think I think people know All the right. gist of this, but <laughs> but thanks to pet cats that are also outdoor cats, if 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 you have an outdoor pet cat, it's like a buzzsaw. It just goes through the local birds and mammals real fast. Oh yeah, there was studies where they found that they're not eating them either. That's the thing is they're basically going back to Jack the Ripper. They're all a bunch of little Jack the Rippers. <laughs> like they're just serial killers that we let out, and yeah. they're just. They're just murdering the the yeah the rodent and bird population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh they're monsters. They're just monsters for certain animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the, delightful. The the estimates vary, but they all tend to be in the millions and billions. Yeah. The main thing we'll link here is a study that was published in the journal Nature in 2013. It was done by researchers at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute and at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And they, it's useful for this episode about cat food because they estimated total bird and mammal kills by the regular cats, domestic cats, um, but split it up by feral cats and owned pet cats that go outside. Right. They said that in the U.S. and Europe put together, pet outdoor cats will kill about 684 million birds per year. Yep. 684 million uh, in terms a of like a lot of birds. Oh yeah, in it's terms so of many. like variety, variety and amount, I believe house cats are the deadliest feline in the world, right? Like in terms of I think so, yeah. Yeah, in terms of just like sheer amount of souls snuffed out. <laughs> they 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 kill the most. Like a like a lion, yeah, a lion's scary cuz yeah. they can eat us, but like they don't really kill, they just kill to eat. Cats just kill because they see something and they're like, yeah. I better kill that. Like they'll, ne- they'll never, you put them in a room with mice. They're like, I'm going to kill all these mice. <laughs> uh, like I, I will, I will kill them all. I don't need, I don't, I maybe need to eat one of them, but I see them. They're existing and therefore I must exterminate them with my, with my claws. Yeah. With my terrifying claws. The other number for that group is annually 1.24 billion with a B mammals. So yeah. almost twice as many mammals. And and right, it's not one zebra. It's it's a bunch of uh, tiny, yeah. <laughs> tiny animals. They're just wiping out. Yeah. Yeah. They're little murderers. Yeah. Uh, it's why we love them. <laughs> or it's one of the reasons. That's why. That's why. I mean, it is literally why we started keeping them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're like, these things are really good at murdering things. Yeah, it's truly because if this research is right, we didn't train them to do that. We just liked that they did it and helped them do it worldwide. That's what we yeah. did. Yeah. They're just serial killers. And we were like, this works for us. So we don't have to do it. And they'll do it without remorse. Uh, <laughs> they don't They don't care. They don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. Go go team is the vibe I'm getting at the end here. Go team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go team. Go team cat. Do it. Do <laughs> team cat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sh- little cats. <laughs> That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to David Christopher Bell and Tom Ryman for happening to join me in a grand cat food eating experiment. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on patreon.com. 
Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the world's most fascinating cat populations. Multiple countries that we didn't cover in the main show, plus some strange happenings beyond those. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show for a library of more than three dozen other bonus shows and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring cat food with us. Here is one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, that's a big one. Based on my research, there have been three general styles of cat food. Those are cats feeding themselves as freelance farm laborers, then cats being fed leftover industrial horse meat, and finally cats being fed a specific version of human food. Takeaway number two, humans should not eat cat food, and the main reason is the minerals. And takeaway number three, your local birds and mammals are highly likely to become cat food. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. David Christopher Bell and Tom Ryman are the two heads of a fantastic podcast network and streaming channel. It's called Gamefully Unemployed. Gamefully Unemployed. I hope I'm saying that well enough. Also find Tom Ryman's excellent writing over at Collider.com. And David Bell's excellent script writing over on the YouTube news and comedy show Some More News, hosted by Cody Johnston, produced by Katie Stoll, many other pals there too. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great article in The Atlantic. It's called How Cats Used Humans to Conquer the World, and that is by Sarah Zhang. A great article from Longreads called The Cats Meet Man from Dickens to Jack the Ripper, and that's by writer Carrie Fry. And then a great book, it's called Pets in America, A History, and that is by Dr. Catherine C. Greer, who's a history professor emerita at the University of Delaware. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.